good. You that was dangerous. fun. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Give him a hand. Amen. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You may be seated. It's hard to find musicians that can flow, man. Wow, you guys are awesome. Y'all got soul, man. Texarkana's got soul. Jiminy Crickets. Y'all from the Arkansas side or the Texas side? Which side is that? What soul is that? East side, west side. All right, all right. I got it. Praise the Lord. Hello. It's good to be with you, Church on the Rock in Texarkana, Texas. And uh, we're blessed of the Lord to be here. We had a tremendous time this morning and just loved your leaders last night. I fell in love with your church last night just from coming to know your leaders. And I knew them by the Spirit because I didn't know them, you know. I, if I'd seen you on the street, I would have thought you were just anybody. But when you can minister to people and pray with people and, and hear God's heart for people, you get a chance to know them. And I tell you, you've got some awesome leaders in this house. Anybody agree? Amen. Let's just give the Lord a hand for the, the leadership that he has graced you with. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to do part two. And I, I strongly recommend, I offer, I think the pastor would second that emotion, that you listen to the first half of this message this morning uh, in the nine o'clock service because it's on the web page tomorrow. Amen. That means I can also link up to it and, and let some people listen to it. Cool. You don't have a lot of hits. Because um, you know, we, we have, a, we have a people all over the world that pray for us, literally all over the world. People in Kenya, people in Colombia and South America, people in Europe that are praying for us, interceding for us in the United States. And so I sent out those kind of links so they can see what they're praying for and whether God answered their prayers. And I tell you, God met us this morning and we believe him to meet us again. How many of you need a word from the Lord? That was weak. How many of you need a word from the Lord? Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to give you part two, Luke chapter 15. We talked this morning, nine o'clock, about the prodigal father, the prodigal father. But now we're going to deal with another person in this magnificent short story. It's been called the greatest short story ever written. And God wrote it. Isn't that awesome? Jesus told this story himself. And it is magnificent. We're going to begin in verse 25. In Luke 15, I want to make you aware of it while you're turning, that we have only two DVDs with us. If anyone should be interested, I want to do this real fast because there's a nice flow in here. I don't want to disrupt it, but I believe that uh, we have something that will be beneficial to you. It's helped a lot of people. One of them is called Beyond the Quick Fix, and it's back at the door. One of the ushers has them, Beyond the Quick Fix, and it talks about how to really allow God to change you. How does that happen? So that you're not stuck in a rut for the rest of your life but that you are evolving, you are growing with God beyond the quick fix, exact steps. And the second one is getting to know him. I, where I present the attributes of God. Who is God? And so you can know him personally and grow and it will be a great blessing for you if you want. So let's back at the door. Luke 15, verse 25 says, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And because your father has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was 
angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out to him and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. He's lying. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. I wonder how he knew. With harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is already yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Father, thank you for your precious word. Oh, it is, it is like honey and the honeycomb. Like Ezekiel said, Lord, it's like fire. Shut up in our bones. Oh, your word is medicine to our flesh, medicine to our heart, medicine to our soul. Your word is that which will never change and it will never morph into anything else it is your word forever and heaven and earth will pass away but your word will stand forever the only solid foundation on this planet is your word the only thing worthy of us standing on is your word the only thing worthy of our trust is your word for it and it alone is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it, and it alone is that which the entrance of your word brings light. The darkness flees when your word comes in. So Lord, send your word today in power and might. Let there be a rhema word for this Kairos moment. A word that we need right now. Not a word from Chandler, but a word from the Lord. Word from the Lord. Holy Spirit, take us and help us to deliver it and receive it. That we will leave this place chained forever for the good. Because we have had a loving but a real confrontation with the living Christ. In the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. The signs and wonders follow the word. Amen. Amen. Now real fast let me give you the, in a nutshell, first part which I shared this morning. You, many of you are familiar with the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Anybody? Remember it at all. Okay, the people in the front row. What about the rest of you? It's in your Bible. Okay, now, Jesus said it. And, and he told this parable. It has great significance. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to break it down later about why he had to tell this parable right now. And why we have to hear it right now. But he is sharing his heart. He is revealing the heart of the Father. And as I shared with this morning, with the people this morning, it, it, in my opinion... The point is not how bad the younger brother was. The point is how good the father is. We have preached it and preached it and preached it. Oh, that young boy was bad. Oh, he was naughty. Oh, he was despicable. But I'm, let me tell you something. I believe it. This, this parable was given by Jesus to declare to us that the father has prodigal love for us. 
His love is extravagant. His love is boundless. His love is awesome. His love is invincible. Because you know what the Bible says? Love never fails. It will get the job done. And the Father's heart manifests. The Father's heart is disposed. It is, it is made clear to us. It is exposed. And we can understand how great, how amazing His love is. And that it covers anything and everything that the enemy is meant for harm, the love of God, vanquish every enemy, the love of God, the love, the greatness of God's love. It doesn't matter what you've done or what somebody else has done. They can, you and I can always come to Jesus. We are always welcome. We are always received. And the proof is in the pudding. I'm hungry, yes. The proof is in the pudding. When I start using food analogies, you know what time it is. It's time for lunch. So, you ought to hear me on a fast. I really preach about food when I'm fasting. It's the only way I can eat. I have to inhale it by my words. But God's love, God's love is great. And so in this parable, when this, when this son is, is finding himself so destitute, so broken, that a Jewish young man is feeding food pigs what an irony a Jew feeding pigs and the pigs were eating better than him why because he miscalculated he thought that he could do wrong and get away with it he thought that he could offend his father and get away with it he thought that he could despise his father and get away with it he thought he didn't need his father let me tell you, we all need the Father. Oh, yes, we do. Everybody needs the Lord. You know, two weeks ago, my wife and I were in San Francisco. And I just felt led of the Lord. Because we, we live an hour from San Francisco. And it was, so we, we date every Monday. You know, we, we, we turn the phones off. We turn the cell off. I turn it off anyway. And, and we go, we go, Pastor Liddell, we go, don't tell everything. We go away to a special place or whatever. We spend time together. And, and we, were, we were in... San Francisco to one of the malls, and, and I had an impression. I said, Lord, I want some Godiva chocolate. Some of you know what Godiva chocolate is. It's incredible Belgian chocolate, and if you love me, you buy me Godiva and chocolate. I, I, I love the dark chocolate covered strawberries, and the people in my church would you would bribe me with dark covered strawberries, and it worked. And, 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 and I, would, I, would, I would pray for you know, forgiveness, everything, whatever they needed. But just bring me Godiva, dark chocolate. And, 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 so, and so what happened was, is that, is that I felt led to go to Godiva. My wife was in another store, Savarsky, you know, the, 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 the jewelry store that you ladies know. And, and as I was walking to Godiva, I saw Halle Berry. And I said, hmm, should I say anything to her? And I said, yes, I should. So I walked over to her. She, she was at the foot of the base of the elevator, about to board the elevator, go up to the top floor of Nordstrom's store, because she could shop there, <laughs> praise the Lord. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't even go in the store. And so, and so you know, she had a baby there and, t- and two people with her that were helpers. And I said, I said, would you perchance be Halle Berry? And she said, yes, I am. I said, you know, I'm not going to bother you. I'm just a fan. And I walked away. But I ran and grabbed my wife. I said, Halle Berry's over here. <laughs> so my wife came back and she had this long conversation with her. And she had to really hold herself back before she hugged her. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Even Halle Berry needs the Lord. Yeah. Everybody needs the Father. There's nobody that doesn't need God, especially if you know her story. You know she needs, I wish she could know the Lord. 
So, you see, the father is needed. But, but this, this boy didn't think the father was needed. He thought he could do it by himself. He thought he was a lone ranger and that it would work. It never works without the father. He made you. He made me. Only he knows how we're wired. Only he knows what we're supposed to be doing. Only he knows what our destiny is. Only he knows how we tick. He made us. And so we must come to him. And but the, the, this younger brother, and this is all in the all in the parable. Jesus is teaching this magnificent lesson. It's all in the parable that we need the Father. The Father is so great and so willing to love us and help us. So one day the boy wakes up. He says, Let me go home to my daddy. Even as a servant, even if I just be his servant, I will eat better than I'm eating now. Because he was broke and worse than broke. As they say, he couldn't even afford the letters in poor. He was poor. He couldn't bother other O and R. So he came home to his father. And the Bible says that when he was far away, the father saw him. Father was looking for him every day. Praying, Father, God, send my son home. Send my son home. Let my boy come home. I love my boy. I, I, I know he did me a great disservice. I know he stabbed me in the heart. I know he, he in every way, he despised me. I got it. He said, he said I never want to see you again. I, 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 hope, I hope I never see your face again. As far as you're concerned, Daddy, I'm dead to you. That's what he did in reality. But the father was still loving, still looking. So, you know, no matter what we've done to the father, he still says, come to me. Come home. Come home. And so as, as, the, as the son was coming home, the father ran towards him. And the father hugged him and kissed him. And, and the son tries to give a speech. And the father cuts him off midstream. He says, be quiet. He says, servants, bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Bring the shoes. Bring the fatted calf. We're going to have a party because my son is home. He was lost, but now he's found. yippee doo da day. Hallelujah. Glory adios. Glory adios. Dziękuję Panya. That's thank you, Lord, in Polish. Polish. God, I love you. Oh, God. Thank you that my son's home. And this is the heart of the Father to embrace us and love us even when we had a bad hair day. Now, I have bad hair days too. You just can't tell. That's my wife. She knows all my bad hair days. And so God is so gracious and loving. But so he's happy. The servants are happy that they're having this great, this tremendous fiesta. And then there's somebody else in the story. There's another brother from the same mother. And uh, he, he hears some music as he's coming home from being out in the field. And he's like, what's up? He calls one of the servants and says, what's up? What's up with this party music? You know, what's going on in here? Because, you know, they're singing, Lord, I live. Lord, I live your name. Lord, I lift your name above all other names. Lord, I live. I mean, they were partying down because the son came home. Y'all know how to party. Whatever, you know how to party. Whatever your style, they were doing it. And they're going to have your style in heaven too. Don't worry about it. Whatever you, whatever you prefer. Glory to God. So there was this, there was this servant that comes and tells him, says, okay, your brother came home. The elder brother's listening. 
And you know, your father's so happy, he's just beyond himself. He lost his mind. He gave him the best robe. He gave him the, the ring. He gave him the sandals. He, he killed the fatted calf. And the older brother says, not the fatted calf. Tell me anything but not the fatted calf. Because that was the straw that broke the camel's back. See, the fatted calf was reserved only for the most special occasion. You, you fattened that thing. You made it round and you, you, know, you made it big and succulent because you were getting that thing ready for the, for the feast of all feasts, for the mother of all feasts. And so it's like you, don't, you never slaughter that. No, only for the greatest dignitary when the president comes or when the prime minister comes or when the chancellor comes or when the pope comes. Even the Protestant popes. But, but they come and, and, and he say, he's like, he, he killed the fatty cat. So he refuses to go in. He refuses to go in. And the father finds out about it. And the father comes out of the party. He comes out to him. He says, son, why won't you come in? He says, I can't believe. I can't believe you throwing a party for that son of yours. Notice he never calls his brother brother. He refers to him as that son of yours. He says, who spent all your money with harlots? I wonder how he knew. The Bible says he was in a faraway country. There were no telephones. There were no telegraphs. There was no email. No Twitter. There you go. You helping me preach, girl. No Twitter. He couldn't twit. And so here he was. Here he was. You know, but, but he knew these things. I wonder, I wonder how. My imagination is just getting the best of me. But he says, all these years, I've never transgressed any of your commandments at any time. In other words, he said, I'm perfect. I'm spotless. I'm errorless. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. Tell somebody next to you, nobody's perfect but the Lord. Nobody. Nobody. We, we are being made perfect. He is perfecting us. He perfects that what concerns us. But we are a work in progress. Tell somebody, he's still working on me. It's tremendous to know that. It gives you a lot of grace. And so, but the other brother said, no, 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 no. I've arrived. You know, I have it all down pat. I'm perfect. I've never done anything at all to transgress any of your commandments. And he says, and never once, never once. Have you ever even killed a young goat for me? Forget the fatty calf. You had to give me a stinky, tough old goat. The father says, look, son, hear me. He says, you're with me always. And all that I have is yours. We'll get to that later. He says, but this son of mine who was lost is found. He was blind he sees and then he's here so so but but, but this, see this elder brother is critical to this story this third character in this incredible this incredible this third act because the purpose of luke 15 is to address the pharisees if you look at verse one and two it says clearly in your bible that jesus was ticked with the pharisees the only people he got irritated with were the Pharisees. They were not so fair, you see. 
They, they, they really, really, really got his ire going. Because there's, there's nothing that Jesus d- dislikes more than people that think they're perfect. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all stay with me. Just remember, Lord, I lift. Mm-mm. Lord, I lift your name. All right. So this, this is so important for us to get this. Because this, this is the issue. The three parables he tells, the lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. That, that God goes after people. That God values people. God cares about people. God leaves a 99 and chases after the one. God leaves a 9 and tries to find the one. God even runs after the lost son. God initiates. God is an initiator. God loves people. And God goes after people. God is not passive. Real love is aggressive. And love is a verb. Biblical love has nothing to do with feelings. The father didn't care. The father didn't feel good about the son. He looked what he just did to him. Slapped him in the face. He, he maligned him. But the father was obedient because love is a verb. And no matter how he felt... See, you know, this, this, these husbands come to me, they say, they say, Pastor Chandler, I don't feel in love with my wife anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't feel in love anymore? Well, you know, the feeling's gone, Pastor Chandler. The feeling's gone from me. Oh, Lord. I don't know where it went, but it's gone. Pastor Chandler, it's gone, gone, gone. I'm like, well, what are you saying? It's gone, gone, gone. Because, see, love is not a feeling. Love is a verb. Love is something you do, something you live. God did, did I say, God felt so good about you that he sent his son. Said, no, God loved us and he sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. That love is something you do. You know, you, 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 you know, be careful, young ladies, when he comes and tells you, oh, when I'm around you, I feel like I'm floating on a cloud. That cloud's coming down. It's only a matter of time. If he's feeling focused, run from his focus. Have somebody who's going to love you. When, 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 my, when my wife was fasting and praying about whether she should marry me, the Lord, she asked the Lord a very pointed question. She said, will he love me five years from now? Will he love me 10 years from now? Will he love me 20 years from now? Will he love me 30? Will he love me 50 years from now? And the Lord said, yes. See, you want somebody that's not going to feel like they love you, but is going to love you. Yeah. A commitment, a consecration, a devotion. And that's what God does to us in spite of how we may make him feel. Thank God he does not live by feelings. Because if he left by feelings, we'd all be zapped out of here. Jesus didn't feel like going to Calvary. In fact, he felt just the opposite. He went to his father three times and said, I feel like asking you a question. (laughs) Is there any way you can feel like changing the plan? Can we do anything else? Because I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling the cross. He said, but thy will be done. But I'm not feeling it, but thy will be done. I'm your servant, but I ain't feeling it. I want to be out, father, son, honest conversation, transparency. We're one, just want to let you in on the lowdown, Lord. 
I'm not feeling that cross stuff, but I'll do it if, you, if I must. Aren't you glad Jesus was not led by his feelings? He went to Calvary because he loves you. For the joy that was set before you. What joy? That you would be his brothers, little brothers and little sisters. We would be with him forever. So, the father is dealing with this elder brother. And this elder brother typifies the Pharisees. Now, who were the Pharisees? You know, they were the major religious order of that day. And, and the Pharisees were characterized in this older brother. What is he? He stands outside and he refuses to go in. I mean, he is ranting and raving and pacing the floor. And he said, I can't believe this. How could he do this? I just can't imagine what's gotten into my father. Has he lost his mind? Is, has he been smoking some bad pot? What is it? What is it that my father is thinking? This clown, this, not even my brother, this clown that has hurt him so, that has wasted his money, that has just, just cruelly injured his heart, and, and my father throws a party for him and kills the fatted calf of all things. So the father comes out and, and he's rude to the father. He argues with the father. He debates with the father. He never even calls his father, father. But see, that's the Pharisees. They're critical of others. Arrogant. Condescending. Self-righteous. Think they have it all together. They think they've never sinned. Or they think their sin is not as bad as your sin. I mean, angry people. They are, they are rude people. They are people that are heartless, callous hearts. They are people who are merciless, people who are graceless, people who are loveless, Pharisees. And the word of the Lord to this church is that he is going to send in many people to this place. But I was up this morning praying for Church on the Rock in Texarkana, Texas. Because the Lord, you know, and he woke me up early and said, get up. You got to pray. Lord, I'm trying to sleep. Let me sleep, Lord. Get up. Let's talk. Pray. Pray for church on the rock. Pray what? Pray that whoever God sends in, they will love with the Father's love. That they will manifest prodigal love. Because God's going to send some folk in here. Let me tell you something. We were in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We're going to Cambridge. In fact, as soon as we get home, on Monday in California, we take a flight in 10 hours and 10 hours back to Boston nonstop to do a leadership conference next weekend. And, and at one of these churches we're going to be dealing with, I, I, I told the pastor who had an all-black church in Cambridge, I said, the Lord said he's going to send in people of other colors and other tongues. And I, I, I sense that Asian people are coming. The Sunday after I left... A Buddhist young man, a Asian Buddhist young, Chinese, started coming to the church every Sunday. They asked him, why are you coming? He said, I don't know. I don't know. But I got to come. I still, I still serve Buddha, but I got to come. And he will come every Sunday. Now he is a youth leader at the church, saved, baptized with the Holy Ghost, cleansed by God, loves God with all of his heart. But you see, and I'm telling you, God's going to send people here that don't look like you or most of you. Now, you all had Mexican food last night, but some real Mexicanos are coming in here. And some Latinos and Latinas, some chicas and chicos, mijas and mijos, they're coming. Ejos and ejas are coming. They're coming. 
They're coming. Some Asian people are coming because God told me that he's going to make you an example to the nations. But the question is, is will you embrace them? Will you receive them? Will you give them prodigal love? Will you give them prodigal love? Will you say no matter what your past is, there's love here. Because people know if they're loved or not. They feel it. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's, it's an intangible. But boy, it is tangible in a person's spirit. They know when they're accepted. They know when they're embraced. And you see, it's the Pharisees that will see a man down in the ditch. And rather than sticking their hand down to help him up, the Pharisees kicked him down deeper. They find fault with everybody. And it's an unfortunate thing, but we believe it seems that the 10th gift of the Spirit is a gift of criticism. I mean, I don't understand why we have such strong discernment for everybody else and none for ourselves. Oh, yeah, come on, let's talk about it. I mean, we, we, we find fault. We give our opinion. We are so critical. We, we say things that the Holy Ghost is grieved because he didn't tell us to say, didn't ask for our opinion, didn't ask for our advice. And yet I felt for one that, you know, God put me here to give advice to my wife. I mean, after all, she needs me. I'm here for her. God knew she needed me. So he gave me to her so I could fix her. Do you know, do you know what all the research says now is the number one reason for divorce in the United States? It is not infidelity. It is not money problems. It is not even in-law or outlaw problems. You know what it is? Is one spouse trying to change the other? The only person you can change is you. God never asks you to change your spouse, change anybody. The only one you can work on is you. The only one you need to be working on is you. And yet we try to doctor, we try to make the other person over in our own image. We have a God complex. But people don't like you trying to make them over in your image. People don't like you trying to fix them. People don't like you trying to manipulate them. They recoil and they repel and they divorce. And it's a shame even when people come into the church. Yeah, people have problems. The church is a hospital. It's really bloody. Church is a mess. Do me a favor. When you find the perfect church, do not join it. Admire it from a distance. Because the minute you join, it's no longer perfect. It's no longer perfect. God has designed by his heart for the church to be a hospital and a place of convalescence. It's where we come and get help. It's where we come and receive strength. It's where we come and be doctored on by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will clean people up. We've had people come to our church and, and they, you know, they smoked and you know, some people did drugs. They, weren't living, they were living together. But we never said a word. We just preached the gospel. And one by one they came to us and said, Pastor, we need to be married. We never, we never talked to them about being married. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell on them. If the presence of the Lord is real here, there will be conviction. And you don't have to badger people about you need to be you need to get married. What's wrong with you living together? As if you are better than anybody. Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. Oh, yes, I am. 
Good job, Chandler. Good job. And so sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sit to yourself. And so, and so and he, he, people come in, you know, and, and we, we have this man coming who's smoking and, you know, and just couldn't stop. And he, it, was, it, was, it was one of, the, uh, doing one of our, our fasts. And, and he went to my wife during the prayer time. And he said, you know, I want to be delivered of smoking. My wife laid hands on him. The man's not touched a cigarette for 20 years. You see, he came. Nobody said, you're bad. You're, you know, you're sinful. You're smoking. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. We need to have a house of God where there is agape love, where there is prodigal love, where people can come and say, I will not be judged. I will not be condemned. I will be received and they will allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me and they will preach the, the, the unadulterated word of God and it will not return void. So Jesus had to put the older brother in the story. Because he's talking to us about the older brother syndrome. And how forgiving are we? He refused to forgive. How, how gracious are we? How, how kind are we? How loving are we for real? I, I, I told the story um, in, in the early service about the only place my children have been called nigger is in church. Never in the public schools. Nunca in the public schools. They came to church, to Bible-believing churches, evangelical churches, where they love God, but they don't love people. And if you don't love God, excuse me, if you don't love people, you don't love God. Read your Bible. Spend some time in First John, please, just a little time. And so, and so you know, and, and it, it was at Christian schools. What they were called, that name. And it's like, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sending my children to supposed to be a safe environment. Where the love of God is supposed to be. And, 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 and so-called people of God, ch- children who learn that word from somewhere. Now listen, prejudice goes all kind of ways. Goes both ways. And, and you know what? I'm telling you that, that, that God is calling for a church that is one church. And, and you're going to have a lot more people in here that are not vanilla. They're going to have a tan like me. And a lot of shades, you know, here or there. Some will be butterscotch. Some will be browner. But God is calling for this house to be an example. To bring healing to this area. The Lord said he's going to send people here from the nations just to come here. From the nations. They're going to say, we, the Lord said, go to Texarkana. Where's Texarkana? We, the Lord's going to say, we got to go to Texarkana. And the Lord said something about some rock, some rock, some rock. I got to go to the rock. Where's the rock? Where's the rock? Where's the rock? Because, because there's a call of God for this house to be a house where the unity and the love of God is manifested. But you know, and so all kind of colors and all kind of tongues are going to come, and and you know not only that, all kinds of political persuasions. But I don't care if you never invite me back. I'm going to tell the truth. God is not a Democrat, and He's not a Republican. 
I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Because see, I believe the spirit of the Antichrist. Hear me. The spirit of the Antichrist has been released to divide the church. Any way he can. Any way he can. Any way he can. Don't let them worship together. Make them hate each other. Let them divide over politics. Let them divide over the color of the president. Let them divide. And it's driven a wedge in between us. And it's satanic. Whether we are of a particular theological persuasion camp, are we Arminian or Wesleyan? Or are we Calvinist or Reformed? God doesn't care. He only cares if you love Jesus. And if you live by the cross. But believe me, I have friends who are Calvinists. They love God. They are sold out to God. And they hate Arminians. I've got friends who are Wesleyans. Who, who, a, a, a pastor friend I respect highly. I asked him, are, are you Calvinist? He said, are you joking? Are you crazy, Chandler? Well, that's heresy. God just wants you to love him and love his people. But Satan would do anything to divide us. We must be so careful that we don't become like the Pharisees. Well, no, you don't, you didn't vote for the right person. And you, you didn't, you didn't, you, you don't do it worship the right way. And you know what you do? And you don't preach right. And I mean, some of our favorite preachers, it breaks my heart, it grieves my spirit. They say malicious, nefarious things about other men and women of God over the radio. And I'm like, my God, who, do you, who made you to judge? It's the elder brother who said, no, I'm the one that's right. And the rest of you are wrong. And that's that spirit that hates it when God is blessing somebody else other than me. So can God send anybody here to church on the rock and will they be loved? Can God send people that need help? And they're going to need help. They're going to need help. Will they receive help? Will they receive grace? Or will they be judged and condemned and written off? And will they feel distance? Feel aloofness? Or will they feel, come on, welcome to the house of God? I'll never forget it. I was raised in an all-black church. You know, when, when I was, you know, a kid. And when I went to college, I started, you know, going to other churches and other color churches. And I'll never forget, I was studying at Baylor Medical School in Houston, Texas. And, and I went to an all-white assembly of God, Brazewood Assembly of God in Houston, Texas. And, and, and I, I walked into the vestibule, and this big, tall, lanky, white man hugged me, who was an usher. And when he let me go, I was in tears. Because I felt the love of God like I've never felt it in my life. His heart... 
It was like his heart was downloaded into my heart. It's like he hugged me and embraced me so tightly. I felt Jesus all in that man. It didn't matter what color he was. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And nothing mattered. And I was like putty in the hands of Jesus during the message. Because that man disarmed me with his love. That's all God wants is for people. It doesn't matter what color, no matter what shape, that we would love everybody. And hug them into the kingdom. And love them into the kingdom. And bless them into the kingdom. And pray them into the kingdom. But Jesus intentionally put the elder brother here to confront us. About what we use to divide us. We're not even honest enough to be, to be, to be transparent about what we use to divide us. Well, that's not the way I would do it. Well, I don't think that's the Lord. Well, let me ask you again. Who made you judge? So let me close with this. See, the, the elder brother hears the father say, you, you know, in essence, you're so worried about your brother being blessed. Hear me. You with me always and all that I have is already yours. Let me read between the lines for you. If you wanted a party, you could have thrown one for yourself. You don't have to be jealous. You don't have to be envious. You, you already possess everything in Christ. Doesn't the Bible say that in Christ, Ephesians 1 and 3, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? It's already yours. All you've got to do is claim it. All you've got to do is lay hold to it. And say, Lord, I'm going to throw myself a party. I feel like a party, Lord, in my honor. In Jesus. Oh, I don't know. You know what? And it, it, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. You don't deserve it. Agree. I don't deserve it. But because of Jesus, we're worthy of it. Let me say it again. We don't deserve it. But Jesus is worthy enough for us to come in on his coattail and enjoy a party because Jesus is in us. Christ within us. The hope of glory. So throw yourself a party. I'm serious. Say, Lord, I'm going to throw myself a party. Lord, I, Lord I, I'm, I'm claiming the resources. Lord, I, I feel a party anointing coming on. God, I, I sense a party coming my way. Lord, I just want a party. Hey, hey, hey. Have it your way. Just have a party. How many of you love Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, the, the calling of God on this church is magnificent. I don't think I've ever heard God say this this strongly about any congregation. I say, Lord, in Texacana? Or I say, yeah, in Texacana. Yeah, I'm going to do that in Texacana. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Because the favor of the Lord is on your pastors. The favor of the Lord is on this house. All your pastors, the favor of the Lord is just is strong on you. And you have just been chosen. You have simply been picked out to be picked on. With a great and gracious move of God to bring God's people here. They're going to be God's people. Broken, shattered, diseased. But when he's done with them here, they're going to be whole, healthy, well. 
anointed, equipped, enabled, empowered. Movers and shakers. Is that okay with you? Will the church say amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. We glorify your name, Jesus. How exciting to be chosen by God. What a privilege. What an honor. What a grace is ours. Why us, Lord? Why church on the rock, Lord? Why not church down the street? Why not church the other way? But your hand is on the church of the rock in Texarkana. You love them because they love you. You love them first and they have responded to your love. God, we call for your help. Even as pastor was leading us, they said, Lord, and the worship leader, Lord, have mercy on us, God. Because this call is so great, we need mercy for it. It is not naturally what we do as human beings. We don't tend to embrace people that are unlike us. We tend to clutter with those who are like us. We tend to gravitate towards those who look like us, smell like us, talk like us, think like us. But Lord, you have put a grace on this church to reach all your people. And I fear, God, that there's maybe no other place in this area, God, that you can use. And so you need somebody. And you've anointed church on the rock. We thank you, God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We are your people. We are those that you have chosen. It it, it is not by our good, not by our righteousness, but it's by your love, which is amazing, prodigal. We glorify you. Let our heart be for you, Lord. Let our heart only be for you, Lord. Would you stand with me? Raise your hands. This is a Holy Ghost stick up. Okay, raise your hands. Come on. The Bible teaches us that the raising of the hands is an outward sign of inward surrender. God, I'm laying it down. I'm laying it down. All my thoughts, all my beliefs, all my persuasions, all my feelings. I'm laying it down. In surrender, in utter, in total, in complete, in comprehensive surrender to you. So you can use us, Lord. Not the way we want to be used, but the way you want to be used. Even if Jesus said, I don't feel like going to Calvary, but I'm going. I'm going. Nothing's going to stop me from going to Calvary. Nothing's going to stop me from going into your will. Nothing's going to stop me, Lord. I'm determined. Because you were determined for me and I'm determined for you. And nobody's going to stop me from doing your will. Would you say yes, Lord, with me? Say yes, Lord. Let it be loud. Let, let the heavens hear it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God.
our lives that you do whatever you want with us, Lord. Whatever you desire, whatever you desire. I am overjoyed, says the Lord, with your response to me. I feel your commitment. I sense your heart. I discern your devotion to me and I am pleased and I am overjoyed and it is party time for me because my people are with me and I am with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you I will never abandon you I will never desert you I will never let you down I will never let you down I will answer your cry I will hear your groan I will pity it and you will see the power of my right hand yes you will for I know when my people love me. I know when my people are for me and not against me. And I discern that you are for me, says the Lord. So this is a great day for you, a great day for me. For we are one, says the Spirit of the Lord. And when we are one, you read your Bible, whatever you, we were one, whatever you were one. Magnificent things occurred. Stupendous things happened. Supernatural things were released. Know this, says the Lord. Get ready for dynamic things. Get ready for mountains to be moved. Get ready for my glory to be revealed and to prevail, says the Lord. For I am shaking myself, says God. I have risen from my place of sitting and I am going to do mighty things because I have a people who are on board with me. And I can move mountains with that kind of people. So rejoice, says the Lord, for we are one. Rejoice, says the Lord, for I am with you. Rejoice, says the Lord, because I have your back. No matter what they say about you, I'm saying to you, you are my people, the sheep of my pasture, and I will feed you and take care of you. And I will succor you. I will hover over you. I will put my arms around you and keep you safe, says the Lord. And you're going to find that life is going to be sweeter and life is going to feel better because you're going to see answers to prayer. You're going to say, what took so long? But I'm saying, Lord, I don't care. I just think that they're coming now. The answers are now because it's a time of fulfillment for this church. It's a time of fulfillment for this house. It's a time of fulfillment for this people. Things that you've been cried out for and prayed for and longed for and wept for and wept for and wept for. It is time now. Watch and see, says the Lord. My word is true. I will perform my word. For I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. But if I said it, I will do it. If I declared it and I did, I will bring it to pass, says the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.